What's going on? And welcome back to anybody and everybody. I'm your host, Herm. And yeah, I know. I know. We took last week off. It's okay. I needed a mental health week with all of the crazy transitioning that's going on right now due to COVID-19. And I'm sure that a ton of you guys totally understand what what it was like. I mean, it's weird. I had to pick up and move from college and I had to come be self-quarantined in this house that I live my whole life in, but now is not just at my house, but is my living environment. It's my work studio. It's the place I have to film videos. It's the place I can podcast. And it's a big transition and it all really came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody was anticipating the kind of widespread just change to our lives that came. So It was a lot, and I needed the week off, and I just hope that you guys understand that. But we're back today, and we're back this week with probably one of the coolest interviews I've ever had the opportunity to do. He tells some amazing stories. He really has just a true passion for growing the game of lacrosse, not just in the United States of America, but internationally. And I mean, you guys are just in for a real treat here. So I won't hold you up any further. I hope that you're all doing well. But here he is, Javier Silva. I've I've been looking forward to this email or this podcast for a week now since we got off the phone. What was it last Thursday? And just the initial conversation that you and I had absolutely fired me up. I knew that you were someone who wasn't just going to give me a great podcast, but would come in with some amazing material. But for the people who don't know, give uh, give us a little background on yourself. You uh, obviously have done a lot to grow the sport, both in the States, but outside. And you have an amazing background and story. Um, thanks. Uh, yeah, I, my story is pretty interesting, I guess. Um, I grew up in Connecticut. I'm originally from Columbia. Uh, I moved to the U.S. when I was a little kid and I started playing lacrosse when I was a junior in high school. So my high school team didn't didn't exist until my junior year. So I played soccer growing up, um, but I fell in love with lacrosse like two days after picking up a stick, I think. I wasn't very good, but um, I fell in love with it. And then, you know, a bunch of my friends were like, to UConn, I played club there. And that's when I like really fell in love with the sport and it's where I started practicing. I had a stick in my hand like every day. My best friends are all guys that I played lacrosse with and even though we don't live in the same town, like we talk pretty much every day. Um we're all over the country, all over this all over the world actually. My one of our good friends is in Spain. Um and so I, I just fell in love with the sport there and just kept playing after college and I moved to Europe for a year to get my master's, and then I ended up playing and coaching in Sweden for a year, which was probably one of the coolest experiences of my life. Um, A week into living in Sweden, I found these guys playing catch, and I ended up traveling all over Scandinavia and Northern Europe playing lacrosse with those guys. It was the coolest thing ever. Um, And that's how I found out about Lacrosse Nations. I was sitting in my apartment in Sweden, getting ready to graduate and I didn't want to leave Europe. I didn't want to come back to the U S I wanted to keep playing lacrosse and coaching and the guys that I was playing with were like, you'll, there's so many opportunities for coaching in Europe because there's not that many coaches in Europe. So you should just find a club team that, you know, will house you and give you some kind of money and you can coach them. And so I Googled lacrosse coaching 
international and lacrosse nations popped up and they were looking for somebody to move to nicaragua to help run their programs and i thought to myself well, that's that's pretty cool i've never been to nicaragua but i'm a fluent spanish speaker you know i, I grew up speaking spanish um, I love coaching. Maybe maybe this is the right fit. And so I emailed them. And because of the time difference, it was like 11 o'clock at night in Sweden, but it was 8 o'clock in the morning in Managua. And the program director, who is this awesome girl from from Middlebury, emailed me back like two seconds later. She's like, yeah, we totally need somebody to come to Nicaragua. I'm leaving in a couple months. Like, you should totally do this. And a year later, I was moving into a house in Nicaragua uh, to coach these kids in lacrosse. And when I got there, um, you know, I, my plan was I'm going to be there for a year. I'm going to coach lacrosse. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to build these coaches up. And then I come back to the U.S. and I'm going to get a real job. I'm going to do my marketing and my branding stuff, which is what I got my master's in. Um, and then I'll just go back into the real world. Three months later, I was like, there's no way I'm ever leaving Nicaragua. I fell in love with our kids, the programs, just the country, the people. It was it was absolutely incredible. And I ended up living in Nicaragua for four years. Um, I was a volunteer my first year. Uh, I, I found a part-time job my second year. Lacrosse the Nations offered me a stipend. And then, you know, after two years of like not making any money, I was like, all right, I kind of got to figure something out here. And I, I went to Lacrosse Nations. I was like, you guys got to offer me a full-time job. Otherwise, I just can't stay. Um, and then I approached another nonprofit that I was working with at the time. And I said the same thing to them. And I was like, all right, whoever gives me the better offer, I'm, I'm going to stay with. And Lacrosse Nations gave me an offer. I just couldn't refuse. And honestly, I don't think I would have taken the other one because Lacrosse Nations is what I wanted to do. Um, regardless. And that full-time job turned into taking over for the executive director about eight months later. Um, and I've been doing that since 2016. I moved back to the U.S. and have been slowly building our programs out um, on, a, on a bigger scale than just Nicaragua since then. Jeez, man, that, that, that is something special. I, I could listen to you tell that story all day long, but I want to, let's just jump back. Let's go to the beginning of it. So you are born in Colombia. How, how long did you spend growing up there? Uh, I was five when I moved to the U.S. So not, not a ton of time, but um, most of my family's from there. Uh, I go back all the time. Actually, now I have really close ties with the Colombian national team. Uh, I didn't even mention that. So in 2014, I I ended up playing on the men's national team in Denver at the 2014 World Championships. And then in 2018 in Israel, I was coaching um, just because I'm getting old and I can't I can't compete at that level. Um, <laughs> not that I could before, to be honest, we were getting worked. Um, but I, I'm on the on the coaching staff for the men and the women now. So it's it's a ton of fun. But Colombia is an, an awesome country. Yeah, I love it. Certainly, you were kind of in that transition period as a child. Was it was it tough getting acclimated to the states and in Connecticut in particular? Um, you know, for me, it really it really wasn't. I was so young that I picked up the language really, really fast. I picked up English so fast that I mean, I can barely remember not understanding class. Um, are you, but are I you a remember. language guy? You kind of pick them up. 
with the uh family? no to be honest no because when i lived in sweden i tried to learn I, le- I tried to learn swedish and it was one of the hardest things in the world for me to do but i was also 25 at the time it's a little harder when you're older um when you're young you pick up languages super quick but at five years old you know i was learning i knew how to speak spanish i knew how to write but i wasn't like really good at writing and reading spanish when i was little so growing up, like, I mean, I basically learned to read and write the same time for both languages because I was reading and writing in Spanish at home and obviously speaking it at home, but then doing English at school. Um, so for me, the transition wasn't really, it was hard. I remember like my first year of school, it was like, I would not understand what the teachers were saying to me, but by second or third grade, you know, I was still going to ESL, English as a second language classes, but I knew I could speak English like fluently at that point. Um, it was really, really tough for my parents. My parents still struggle with English. I was actually texting. My, my mom works as a service coordinator for kids with disabilities. And, you know, she texts me every day. It's like, am I saying this text message right? Does that make sense <laughs> to you? So, like, for me, it wasn't hard at all for my mom and my dad. It was like it's still a struggle, yeah. Right. No, totally. Um, did you have any siblings with you? I've, yeah, I have an older sister. Um, she's two years older than me. I'm actually in her apartment right now. Um, oh, that's awesome. She, yeah, she, she, I think, probably struggled with the language more than I did because she was a little older, um, and so she still remembered a lot of stuff from Colombia. Like I don't have a ton of memories of growing up in Colombia. She definitely did because she was older. Um, she right. probably struggled a little bit more than I did, but I mean, when you're any anyone under the age of like ten, if you move to a new country and try to learn the language, it's gonna it's kids just soak up languages. It's, it's crazy, isn't that? It's a crazy thing the way the mind works like that. Um, I was reading an article the other day because, well, I took Chinese in high school and then I'm taking Latin currently, and I just I am awful at languages. Never have been one to pick them up and I never probably will be able to and my mom's bilingual she speaks perfect Spanish and so I've always been incredibly jealous of that and I was looking into it and it's like the first 10 years of the developmental mint stage or whatever of your brain is like that's the only time where you'll process languages the way that you do in that fashion and I'm like it's just fascinating it's a brand new thing to you and you're gonna be able to pick them up but so you you make this transition, obviously. Have you kind of always been one to have such a generous heart? I mean, listening to everything that you do, it sounds like you are willing to give back to the community tenfold. And that's such an admirable thing. Oh, thank you. Um, to be honest, I don't, I don't know if I personally always have been this way. <laughs> I, it's always been something my parents have drilled into me, especially my mom. My mom has I come from a family of teachers. My mom's a teacher. My aunts and uncles are teachers. My sister's a teacher. Um, so I think from that, growing up with that in my family, you know, it's always been about teaching and giving to others. My mom has always drilled that into me. Um, and I don't, honestly, when I was in college and I was an undergrad and I was playing lacrosse at UConn, um, yeah, I was nice to people, but the, I wasn't thinking about going on mission trips or service trips or you know I volunteered in high school um at a senior center but like I honestly don't know if I've always had this mentality I mean I probably did latently like in the back of my head um Mm -hmm. 
but in college, if someone said, hey, do you want to go on a service trip or do you want to go and play lacrosse somewhere down south where it's not freezing cold out every year, I chose, let's go play lacrosse. Um, and now I regret that because I was like, man, if I had gone abroad for a year or a semester in college, it would have been so much cooler. And now I work with high school and college kids all the time. And I'm like, whatever you do, go travel abroad. Um I think giving back has always been part of my life, but I, not as much when I was younger. I think when I was younger, I definitely. I think that's such a big part of it, though. It's like I I am now, what, 22 years old, and I guess I'm kind of starting to hit this point in my life. I've always been a very compassionate type person, but I kind of am starting to really appreciate and realize the things that I could do to give back and better someone else's life in some way or shape or form. And I think that that's something that, as as an early college student, I would have been like, yeah, no, I'd probably rather just go hang with my buds and play lacrosse or hockey or whatever I'm doing at the time. But now it's kind of like we talk about lacrosse the nations and I really want to get into it. And it's like everything you say, I'm just like, wow, I have to do this at some point. I have to jump in. I have to do one of these trips and hang out with Javier in Nicaragua or wherever we go. Um, just because it sounds like a real it sounds like you get more out of it than anyone else. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, I, I tell our volunteers all the time, you know, the impact that you have on our programs and our coaches and the kids that we work with is, is really big. But what you get out of it from a personal standpoint is massive. Like, even for me personally, like, the time I spent in Nicaragua as a volunteer and even as, like, a staff member and as the executive director because I spent my first five months as the executive director finishing out the school year in Nicaragua like the time I spent abroad and, and doing that work on the ground has changed me more than I think anything has ever changed me in my life you know it gave no. me so much perspective and so much appreciation for everything that I have and that my more so than anything, like what my parents did for me and, and the sacrifice they made in coming to the U.S. and and giving me the opportunity to play, even just to play lacrosse. Like I, if I was living in Colombia, I would have never played lacrosse. Right. And so lacrosse the nations is have you guys uh, opened up a branch or how does it work if you wanted to start introducing the game in a pretty wide fashion across a place like Columbia and get kids who wouldn't potentially have the opportunity to pick up a stick, but now you give them that opportunity? Yeah, I mean, the process is not complicated, but we we want to be very thoughtful in how we do do that because one of the things that we don't want to do is be the organization that is just a bunch of Americans or foreigners, wherever person may be from, that comes into a community that says, hey, you need to try this, drops off a bunch of sticks and then just walks away. Um, we don't feel that that's necessarily effective and we don't feel that it's sustainable, right? Right. Um, because the challenge with that is like, what if they fall in love with it? And then they have these sticks, but they have no one to teach them and they have, or maybe they have the sticks and they have someone to teach them, but they don't have the resources to continue playing or to f field a team or to get gear, or, you know, all the other challenges that come with it. So before we go into a community, we 
we do a lot of evaluation and we do a lot of prep beforehand to make sure that it's it's a community that has a need for what we offer which on the surface is lacrosse but deep down is way more than lacrosse and it's actually not really about lacrosse at all um, so we want to make sure that the communities that we work with have a need for what we offer we want to make sure that there's an interest in the program that we offer um, that that there is that that there is a passion and the, the kids and the coaches and the people in the community are going to like it and that it's something that we can as an organization can sustain so is it financially something that we can commit to long term um, and so we we tend to go into a community usually because we're invited someone will reach out and say hey um, I have I live in X and Wex X and X community, like, would you be interested in coming down and running a lacrosse program for us or start helping us start a lacrosse program? Um, and we, I get those emails quite a bit, to be honest. Um, and a lot of the times I, I can't say yes because we just don't have the funds to actually make that happen. I'm happy to give people advice and I'm on the phone all the time, with like, what should you be doing? What's the right approach? Um, and having those conversations, but I can't always say, yeah. Let's go. Uh, Lacrosse Nation is going to come in, and we're going to help you run a program. Um, just because it's not feasible, right? We we don't have the manpower. We don't have we're not we don't have the size. Um, although one day I am confident that we will be, and we'll be in every country everywhere. Um, but right now we just can't we can't overextend ourselves because if we do that, it means that our focus is going away from one program and going to another and we just don't have the resources. So whenever we go into any country, we want to make sure that it's, it's very thoughtful. Um, and we, we do a lot of work leading up to our first clinic to make sure that that's the case. And then after we run a clinic, we we go back and evaluate, well, what was their feedback? What was the response? Um, and we have, a, we have like a little matrix that we use to grade, a potential site um, I mean if you want I can go into the details of it I'm happy to um, but essentially it's do they have a need can we can we can we fulfill that need is there interest um, and and what is the feedback from the first um, clinic one of the well, big things that we also focus on sorry to keep going and rambling but oh no is, I love it <laughs> is um, we want to make sure that the site or the place that we're going to also creates opportunities for the U.S. lacrosse community, right? Um, that What I mean by that is basically our mission is twofold. We want to use the sport in countries and communities that don't have access to it and don't have access to sport in general to give them an outlet, to give kids an outlet, and to give young people the opportunity to have jobs as coaches. But we also want these communities to to be an opportunity for college and high school kids like you to travel and serve and learn. So we want to make sure it's a place where we can bring volunteers, that it's easy to bring volunteers so that we can merge those two communities and get them to interact. Because like I said earlier, travel was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, and I like, promote it to anyone and everyone. And I'm like, if we can do that using lacrosse, it's going to impact so many more people, right? When you bring these two communities that don't necessarily have anything in common except for lacrosse, it's a beautiful thing, man. Like, 
I've seen so many college and high school kids go down to Panama, Nicaragua, uh, and Colombia and interact with our coaches and our youth players and our high school players. And man, it's just it's just a beautiful thing when you bring someone out of their comfort zone and and bring them to a new place. And I'm pulling two really amazing things out of that. One, you have been able to, and this is the real strategic part of it. That also, I'm sure, is probably the hardest part of your day is that you do have to say no to people because at the end of the day, it is a business, and running a business is never easy. So you talk about like your matrix and stuff like that. I mean, that's the fundamental understanding of structure in any business you have to have that to make it operate smoothly so you don't because i mean at the end of the day you're you're trying to stack up wins you don't want to take any losses especially when you're i mean you have so many people relying on you and volunteers and stuff like that which is something so special and i'm sure that's really hard to toggle with but what comes out of that is this beautiful just tool almost a tool for social change and youth development and getting kids involved in sport but not only sport but the growth of understanding how to cope with things outside of sports so i mean sport lacrosse is a great great fun thing that we all do but it's also a tool to recognize that sometimes perseverance doesn't just happen on the field perseverance happens in the classroom it happens at home and i think that that's something that you guys emphasize in a really really amazing way that a lot of people even in the states kind of don't have the opportunity to explore because they take a sport or a game or a learning lesson of sort for granted. And I think that you guys really emphasize the importance of this tool, I guess, and exploring the growth of development. Yeah. I mean, that's a hundred percent, a hundred percent what we're all about, right? For us, if we don't create any all American lacrosse players, and if we have kids that can't pass and catch, that's okay. That's not a big deal for us. But if those kids come out of our programs being uh, kids that are passionate about education, kids that are, are smart, who want to learn, who make really smart decisions, who make healthy choices in their lives and understand the the impact that those decisions have on their everyday life. And they if they become leaders in their community and role models for the generations that are coming behind them, then man, we've done our job. That is our mission, right? If if those kids end up being awesome lacrosse players, which some of them do, and we have some kids who can really, really ball, and I love that, it's a great side product, right? But it's not the goal, right? Our goal is to create really awesome human beings who can then create even more awesome human beings in their communities. Um, and I think you're right, you know, we get sucked into sport in the US is this competitive thing. And there's so many articles about how youth are losing the love of sport because it gets too competitive too quickly. Um, and I think this is a way for us uh, to kind of bring that joy back to high school and college kids to remind them that, you know, lacrosse is supposed to be fun. Sports are supposed to be fun. If you're not having fun and all you're worrying about is like, where am I going to get recruited to? Or how much playing time am I going to get once I'm at college? Like, 
you have to take a step back and remember why you started playing. And that's one of the, that's one of the things that I think we we do really well for our high school and college volunteers. This is this is an unprecedented unprecedented thing for anybody and everybody because traditionally I would throw an ad read in right about now. But instead of doing an ad read for today's episode, I want you to talk about the fundraiser that is going on for Lacrosse the Nations right now and really just plug it so that people know where to go and what they should be doing. And yeah, so no ad read today. We're going to go with Lacrosse the Nations fundraiser. Awesome. Yeah. So we have just launched a uh, squat for good challenge, essentially getting our volunteers and anyone and anyone who wants to get involved to take advantage of the time that they have right now sitting at home. Uh, if they're at stay at home orders or whatever it is under quarantine, um, you know, everyone's kind of sitting around. We want you to take advantage of this time where you're doing all these workouts by yourself and add a little meaning to them. Um, one of the biggest challenges the lacrosse nations faces is that we rely on the lacrosse season and teams and players throughout the season to dedicate their games to our organization to our mission and so we raise about 20 percent of our annual budget every spring during the lacrosse season with no lacrosse season that money is gone and so we're hoping to re-engage those kids that are now sitting at home uh, and getting even more people to get involved. And so all you have to do is go to our website, lacrossethenations.org, go to our Instagram or Twitter. The link is there. It's sign up. Um, and basically all we are asking people to do is get others to donate for every squat that they do. So for every dollar you get raised, uh, we want you to do five squats with the goal of every kid raising a hundred dollars and the really really cool part about this is we've partnered with an amazing organization called positive tracks who is going to match every dollar raised by any young person under the age of 25 up to a hundred dollars so right now our goal is to get a hundred kids to raise a hundred dollars but if we can get 200 or 300 or 500 kids to, to participate well then let's do it right there's no reason not to um and like I said, our partners, Positive Tracks, is going to match every dollar that anyone under 25 raises. So uh, we just want our community to come together, take advantage of this opportunity that we have while we're sitting at home and getting our workouts in alone and add a little bit of meaning to it so that our, our lacrosse programs in Nicaragua, Colombia, and Panama can continue to thrive uh, well past this this pandemic that we're all facing so just visit our website lacrossenations.org or on instagram or twitter the link to sign up for the fundraiser is right there or if you guys want to reach out to me uh, you can put the my email in the in the links to the show as well yeah for sure i'll throw everything into the description so that people have the opportunity to check that out and it's, it's just like a body weight squat for five you get one dollar exactly so um, it's amazing yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not the end of the world to do the squats, and I think if if the kids out there are anything like my friends, uh, my friends are just going to donate to see me do as many squats as possible. So, right, um, that's what I'm thinking. I think once I put a video <laughs> out of this on Twitter, I'm going to have a bunch of these weird people who don't actually talk to me other than when they're chirping me on Twitter just start paying <laughs> to see me do squats. But hey, exactly. If, Exactly. If it's all going to the right cause, I will do all of the squats in the world. So that that's absolutely amazing, man. And I think that that yep. is something more important than any ad read I could put out onto this episode today. So and I wanted to make sure we got it in there. So now 
with that, I want to go hop back really quick into Lacrosse the Nations and kind of this idea of stigma still, because I think that one of the things that you're also doing is not just producing excellent lacrosse players abroad, but showing that it's not this rich white person sport. You know, it's not this idea of trust fund ball or whatever you want to call it. You know, all of the stereotypes that have come with lacrosse over the last few decades. And it's actually really cool. I just wrapped up in a podcast yesterday with someone who is doing their senior capstone on the influence of uh, diversity in sports. And I got to talk to him a lot about lacrosse. And I actually brought this program up in the fact that I think that you guys once and you said this earlier that you are able to integrate some of these people and come to the U.S. market and show that lacrosse is a sport for everybody quite literally anybody from anywhere and i think that that's a really cool thing and you're starting to squash this kind of lax bro mentality one of the things that really irks me uh when i tell people that i run a lacrosse nonprofit, they just they kind of laugh and the people that don't know lacrosse their only you know image of a lacrosse player is the frat guy um drinking beers and just being a bro and it's just like no we're not that's not what the lacrosse community is about i mean it is uh it doesn't I mean, have its hand right right everyone everyone has that there's it is it in it's in every sport but that's not what the lacrosse community is about um if you if you look at deeply at a lot of the lacrosse people in the community um, and what their backgrounds are and what their passions are in addition to lacrosse like you've got some really amazing people out there um we i think one of my off names you know i know um, so i think people. one of my favorite things to do is to send people just to go check out scott ratliff's twitter it's like if if you don't think everybody if you do believe that everyone's a lax bro just go look at this man and see all of the amazing just positive and loving and caring uh energy that he puts out into the world each day yeah the dude's a legend he's a great guy um, and he's the epitome of what it means to be more more than just a lax bro. Because right, he loves to joke around. He's funny, um, and and you if you don't sit down and talk to him, you might get that impression just from like a twenty second interaction because he's such a funny dude. But if you sit down and have a conversation with the guy, there's so much so much more than that. Um, and I think that goes with a lot of guys. Like lacrosse people like to have fun. On, on both sides, guys and girls, like we like to have a good time. We like to joke around, um, but that doesn't mean that there's more, there's not more to us and that we don't have different passions and we don't care about other things. Um, and I think you can say that about a lot of sports, right? Like you look at basketball, um, so many NBA players get stigmatized because of wearing all these, ta- having all these tattoos or the way they dress or whatever. But there's so many guys in the NBA do so much for the communities that like if you looked at them you'd be like oh this guy is just he's just a you know i think the word that you might have used was thug like they're not there's so much more to athletes in general um than just the sport they play and, and lacrosse has that particularly bad um you know just from all the high profile cases of kids being stupid um that you think that they're the majority, but they're really not. They're the minority. 
Right. And I think the number one thing that comes to mind for me is like, if you remember, and this is very faint, but I grew up right outside of Philadelphia. So it's pretty in my in my face at the time was like when Allen Iverson was coming in the, up through the NBA. And this was a guy who was the first one to really have like all of the tattoos. He had the cornrows and he had his own style and it started to take over the media and people started to really kind of not and not take lightly the fact that he was different and i think that so many people kind of have this stigma about lacrosse currently and i think that as we start to make lacrosse more diverse people will start to see like okay we aren't just one one shade of person right there it's a whole community of beautiful people in with every skin color race ethnic background whatever and i think that that's kind of something that you're pushing along faster than than most and i think that's a very um admirable thing but also such a crucial part to just growing the game i think we use this this hashtag a lot it's a hashtag yep. grow the yeah. game or whatever and it's it's almost overused because i think that we oftentimes try to grow the game in the wrong direction i think that sometimes the it's just put in there for the kind of shock appeal or whatever you want to call it like grow the game we are doing this or that but to actually in like in dive into what you are going to be doing to actually grow the game is that's growing the game and giving the kids the lessons off the lacrosse field that's growing the game yep. because as important as lacrosse is and you said that you said it perfectly you could have no all americans no kids that can catch or throw but if you are raising better people that's i mean that's what it comes down to at the end of the day and i think that's why i've really loved unorganized lacrosse recently is just because it's all your friends you get equal playing time you play the position you want to play and you have fun with it and i think there's something that we really lose when when structure is introduced into the sport and if you look at all the top coaches in the NCAA, lacrosse coaches, one of the things that they harp on and that they do with their teams is that like unsettled, small-sided, just backyard style, right? Um, Mikey Thompson, who's the head coach at CNU in Virginia, a former UVA guy, he he's the chair of our board. Um, he lived with me in Nicaragua for about six months, a couple years ago, six, seven years ago. and that's one of the things that he like emphasizes with his kid kids is like play pickup, pick up small sided games. Just just have fun with it. Cause for him, you know, we've had long conversations about this. It's like one, um, when you do it that way, you just have fun and and that's part of it, right? You wanna keep the fun in the game. You don't want it to just be about like how good you are or whatever. And two, you get tons of reps from like a development standpoint when you play those small sided backyard games, you got the ball on your stick 20 times more than you would during a practice or a scrimmage because, you know, it's six guys and the ball's moving around so quickly. So from like an actual like player development standpoint, it's so much better. Um, and going back to what you said about just like not, it not being about competition and how good you are. A lot of the coaches that are really, really good in the NCAA, they are just as worried about how good their players are off the field than they are how good their players are on the field. Like that's, I think, a common thread between all the top coaches that they're they're just as worried as I am about character development than they are skill development, which is really very really cool. 
Yeah. I think such a big part of it too is like once you get to campus, you're not just a coach. You're also a father to now these guys. You are responsible for what they do off the field. So if a kid's cheating in class or breaks the law or something along those lines, you you kind of are the person who brought them and put them in this situation. So you you have to make sure that you're not just watching out for yourself, but watching out for their well-being and making sure that the fit's not just right for the student, but the school. But or no, school is right for the student. Yeah, uh, you, you get what I'm trying to. Yeah, that it goes both ways. It has to go right. both ways. Yeah, a hundred percent. One of the um, um. So recently, we've been as a lacrosse community, and I really hate that we have to bring this up, even in t- the year what 2020 we're in, is this Amherst lacrosse issue. And oh my god, dude. isn't it heartbreaking, yeah. dude? I mean, Awful. like how. How, how I just, I genuinely don't understand what could ever drive a college student or just a human being in general to put another, not just person, but teammate, brother, however you want to look at them in this situation. Like how, I mean, I, where does this stem from? I, I, these are the questions I had and I, I, fi- I figured you would have opinion on it. So I wanted to get that, but Oh, dude, it's really when I read the article, I was stunned. I was in like almost tears, basically. Yeah. Um, You know, you know what it is like we have done a lot in the sport to create diversity and there's a concerted effort. Um, and And that's what it takes is it takes a concerted effort for for diversity to happen and for more people to get into the sport. And there are a lot of people doing it, but there's so much more that we can still do. And I think it's a lack of education um, on a larger scale because unfortunately, I mean, lacrosse is definitely not just a uh, boarding school sport anymore. It's definitely growing and, and, and tapped into a diverse group of communities but it's it's still very much a sport that's privileged and the not all the kids who are in those schools uh are exposed to a diverse group of kids um i know a lot of private school coaches who are doing that and whose kids are super super open and have been exposed to this but it's just something that's not happening nearly enough as it should be and that's in my guess would be that the kids who made those comments and did that to their teammate which by the way is like absurd like what is happening it's your teammate um right like those kids probably just don't or have not been exposed enough to understand like why that's not okay which doesn't i'm not trying to excuse it i'm just trying to understand it because i don't i don't i don't understand it like it's 2020 man like we've talked about diversity and all this stuff for forever it feels like forever to me but you know um 100 i mean especially well i mean you understand it better than i would i i am just like a kid from new jersey i've done i did the boarding school thing like i i do fall into that stereotype or whatever but being someone from Colombia, you obviously understand like there is a world outside of this America that these kids, I guess, get raised in. And you're right. You're, you're so right about kids just not being introduced to it because I mean, one of the best examples is like, 
I'm a kid from this little town in Vineland, New Jersey, which has a pretty prominent Hispanic population and doesn't have well didn't have a lacrosse program at the local high school until recently. And the kids now that I get my favorite day of the week is the day that I go out there and they're just out there having fun and I can help them out in some way because they are using hand-me-down shafts and sticks and they just love this sport. They had never heard of it before. So those are the best days for me. But for when I get to boarding school, it's like all these kids grew up in Princeton, New Jersey, and it's a pretty affluent area where they don't really understand. Like there are other people out there that aren't from this area where you grow up with a trust fund and the stereotype lacrosse players. And I think that this is this is a really important time in I mean, I can't believe we still have to have this conversation, though. It's an important time that we introduce the idea of diversity into the sport and really push it more than anything. But also at the same time, not fake it. I think that there's a lot of people who try and fake it. And I I, I don't obviously call out names or anything, but especially some of the people in one of the predominant lacrosse leagues uh, out there, I think that oftentimes they don't truly believe in the message that they are putting out there and it comes off that way and yeah um see i am of i kind of think a little differently i'm i kind of i want to give people like the benefit of the doubt always 100 percent. if they're doing if they're saying it and i've actually had um really good conversations with um kyle harrison who oh he's the best at this he's taken over um, the charity arm of the PLL and and along with the diversity and inclusion stuff so because lacrosse nation is one of their partners we've been we've been kind of chatting about ways that we can work together more and the conversation kind of just ends up being more kind of just drifts into like oh well what can we do with diversity and inclusion and that guy he gets it you know um, and I think I think it just needs to be a bigger effort in general not that the effort that's being put forth isn't big it just needs to be bigger like u.s lacrosse has their whole diversity and inclusion arm and they are putting out tons of content and and trying to be educational as much as possible to like the u.s lacrosse members and that's really really good um and i think it's it it works really well and 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 one of the guys who's pushing that route forward really well who have also had tons of really good conversations with is Faz Woodson but like there just needs it just needs to be more it, it's not that it's not enough it's not yeah it's it is that it's not enough because clearly people still think this way it just means that we need to do more and more of it it doesn't mean that the, what's happening now isn't right or good it's just that the problem and that's not and that's not on any one person you know it's right like anything in life you have to have the masses behind you right you have to have the people who make up this idea to spread awareness and i mean kyle harrison is quite literally the one of the perfect figureheads for what he does in with the pll i mean he is a true captain of diversity in the sport and i think that what he does is is something that is like you can't put a price tag on it he does more for anything than anybody could ever pay him in in physical dollars but more than anything just emotional time i mean he puts in 
so much time talking to people, spreading awareness, and he's willing to sit down with anyone and have this conversation. Like, I mean, it's truly that's that's one of my favorite things about him and just the message that he puts out each and every day. And I think that I think that if we can kind of push this narrative along in the next two to three years, we'll start to see much, much more diverse communities coming out to lacrosse games and stuff like that. I mean, I can't wait. And I hope I hope I hope this happens sometime like the PLL is able to do something with the Harlem lacrosse club and like play a game in like downtown Harlem or something like that. I think that would be one of the coolest things ever if they were able to somehow find a field and make it happen. I mean, I don't know what the community parks around there look like, but that's the type of stuff that I think would really draw so many eyes and just create a conversation because at the end of the day, I think so many people are really afraid, not afraid, but it's a tough conversation to have. I mean, when you're trying to break any kind of social stigma. We're fortunate that a lot of the kids that we work with come from families that even though they're very privileged, they have parents who teach them the right things and they have coaches who are teaching them the right things. Um, and so when they come to our programs, we've had very, very few times where kids aren't respectful of, or understanding of the differences in culture. Um, one, I think, is because of the kids that are drawn to the mission that we do. And two, the coaches that we work with are, are coaches who are, are all about character. Um, not that all coaches aren't about character, but some just do it more than others. Um, mm-hmm. And so we've been very lucky that we don't, we've never had a really negative experience like that we've had a handful in 10 years of existence you know but i don't you know i don't i think that's more reflective of the coaches and the teams and the players that we work with than anything else um and the cool thing is that those kids hopefully once they come back from our programs you know all the ones that i've talked to at least say it's changed the way that they see the world and and the way they think about things but hopefully those kids can then come home and, and share that with their teammates and share that with their friends, whether they're lacrosse players or not. And then maybe they go on from high school and go to college and then they share that with their new teammates and their new friends. And it kind of helps to spread. I, I like to think that we're, we're adding our, our grain into the, into the pot and that every little bit helps. And, and that's kind of something I always preach to our volunteers and to our coaches and to our staff. It's like, we, we might be a small organization and we might not change the world, but if we can have an impact on one kid in Panama or one kid from Woodbury Forest in Virginia or one kid from the Pingree School in New Jersey, then that kid is going to go on and have an impact on another kid and that kid will have an impact on another kid and so on and so forth. It's like a huge ripple effect. So, right. The exponential um, growth rate. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think having that one guy like Kyle Harrison is great, but if we can have 15 Kyles, it's even better. And then having guys like Chaz and guys like Brett Hughes, who's our founder, um, not to plug LTN constantly, but, you know, guys like that are, are character guys. Um, and we just need more of those people being vocal. Um, 
and helping create that ripple effect, right? Um, and they do, they have, we just need more people creating more ripples. Right. And I think over time it gets there and it's one of those things where you're not going to see something change overnight, but you will see a change over three years. I mean, I'm sure that you've seen since 2016 when you took over at your newest position. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that you have seen just leaps and bounds of change and diversity and just growth. I mean, I you say, I don't mean to plug lacrosse nations too much, but I'm like, please do. I, th- I don't think that <laughs> I don't, I truly don't think that you can express to people enough how important this stuff is. Right. I mean, I think that with, you're, when we started growing sports, and this is probably hundreds of years ago, a sport like soccer, right, or football, or however you refer to it in whatever country you're from, it's like it's this game that not only do you play for competition, but you then play it for fun. And it's a way that, I mean, you bring, you take a kid out of America who plays soccer, put him in Spain, and he doesn't have to speak that language, but he can speak this game with kids over there and have a amazing time doing that and i think that if we can grow across to the point where you don't have to speak the same language as someone in panama um but you can have these you can go play catch with them and have a good time and it's it kind of brings me back to when you first said you got over to sweden and you just saw two guys playing catch and next thing you know you're you're running off with them yeah it's a little different in Sweden because they speak perfect English, which is right. one of the reasons <laughs> I didn't get to learn the language. I'm not bitter about it at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, literally, I they, they I was walking through campus and they were, it was like the career fair, you know, like the, the club event fair, mm-hmm. whatever that yep. first, the first week of school that, you know, they have, everyone's got tables up and these two guys are just having a catch. And I was walking by with a group of my classmates. I was like, you guys got to hold on. I need to go talk to these guys. So I ran across the, the, like the, the fairgrounds. I was like, do you guys speak English? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, where did you get the lacrosse? Like, what are you doing? And they're like, we love lacrosse. And I'm like, no way. And I think it was like a Tuesday and they're like, yeah, we have a tournament in Stockholm on Saturday. Do you want to come? And I was like, let me call my mom, have her ship all my stuff over. My mom FedExed all my gear overnight from Connecticut to Sweden. And I was oh in, a van, God. in a van on Saturday with a bunch of Swedish guys I'd never met before on my way to a tournament in Stockholm. It was amazing. Oh, that's so um, cool. Oh my yeah, God. It was like one of the coolest things in my life. Was it like a uh, collegiate tournament or just men's league? No, or? it was like their club national championships. So, I, <laughs> so you I get thrown play. right into the mix. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was awesome. Um, I got to I got to play in the Swedish national champions. My claim to fame. Well, that, that's no, that was other my claim than to world champions, right? <laughs> other than the world championships, yeah. That was that was a surreal experience too. Um, And that actually happened by happenstance, too. This guy emailed me. uh, I was living in Nicaragua. He's like, yo, I I used to play at Oregon. I'm backpacking through Central America, but I'm on my way to Colombia, and I'm going to start the national team down there. Do you want to help me? Um, And I was like, okay, dude, like, you go to Colombia and start the National Lacrosse Federation. And if you get that done, I have a passport so I can play on the national team. And then two years, we like texted and we were emailing back and forth, this guy and I, who's now like one of my best friends. Um, and he emailed me 
January 2014. It's like, okay, the Federation's set up. We got we got accepted by World Lacrosse into the games. Can you play? And I was like, oh God, he actually did it. Like what? <laughs> um, it actually you know, happened. I guess I have to start working out. And so I spent the next six months like training in Nicaragua for World Championships, and I was not nearly in good enough shape. Oh, uh, I mean, I, getting in that kind of shape. I, I mean, people watch lacrosse every every weekend or whatever during the summer, and they're like, "Oh, these guys like they probably only have to be able to run a few miles, you know, do this, do that." But it's like, no, <laughs> you you truly have to be like the Kyle Hartzell type who's like putting on your your workout on your Instagram every day to uh, be able to compete at that level it's insane but when you were over in sweden you um so you said you studied marketing yeah i did my master's in international marketing in okay so is that what kind of drove you to leave the states and study in europe uh yeah not, not necessarily that degree um i was a marketing major in undergrad and so i had been in the private sector for a while and I enjoyed it, but sitting at a desk was kind of boring. And I had a friend who, uh, actually one of my college teammates from UConn, he had decided to move to Europe um, and teach English in Poland at the time. And he was just in love with Europe. And then I had another buddy who was getting his master's in Switzerland. And so I went and spent like 15 days in Europe just backpacking and hanging out and visiting all these countries and hanging out with my friends and they're like, why don't you just move here? It's such a cool place. You can get your master's here. And it kind of drew me in and I just started looking for programs and Sweden had a program that I was interested in. It was a country that I didn't speak the language. I knew nothing about, I knew no one there. And I was like, this is, I want a challenge, right? That's what I wanted. And it just so happened that the grad program that I was in was free there's no tuition because Sweden is an amazing country right um and so no matter if you were an eu citizen or not you could go to school for free in sweden all you had to pay for was you know room and board like you were gonna i was gonna pay rent anywhere um so it was the it was the it was a free education and in an amazing country that i'd never been to before i was like well I got in, so that was the other thing, right? I had to get into the program. Uh, right. I got in, and I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's go. And the rest is history, I guess. I mean, from there, you kind of go on this amazing just travel adventure. And it's it's really, I mean, I could listen to it all day long because, well, one, I'm kind of living vicariously right now through <laughs> in the microphone sphere. But I think that one of the most interesting pieces to all of this is the fact that you go from Sweden to Nicaragua and Nicaragua is somewhere that I've never had the opportunity to be yet. However, my mom, my mom's gone on trips and she says that it is not, it's truly one of the most life-changing things when you go to a country like that and you learn more about their culture and then you come back here and it just helps you appreciate things. So, I mean, as a young adult, was that kind of a, a big big thing for you you were able to kind of step back and just once you got back to the states kind of take everything out with a little bit more passion i guess oh man yeah nicaragua is it's wild i mean i spent like six months in the u.s in between my time from nicaragua and sweden but if there could be two 
more different countries, I couldn't think of them. Um, you know, Sweden is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Nicaragua right. is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere behind Haiti. Um, the wet, I mean, the weather's different. The food is different. The people are different. They're not the same at all. But one of the things that I got out of it, of my t- time in both countries, was how how awesome people are and i think the more you travel in general the more you realize um yes these two places are totally different but they're so similar and people are just awesome everywhere right and (laughs) and and i think specifically when it comes to lacrosse the lacrosse community is incredible right I was, this is one of the coolest stories that I'll, I'll ever tell. We were hanging out, we were doing a field trip with a bunch of kids from our program in Nicaragua. It was about a bus of about 40 kids. We had stopped at an ATM because we needed to get cash for pizzas or something. And one of our coaches walked off the bus with a stick in his shoulder. Um, he was just waiting for, for us to get back on the bus from the ATM. And this guy pulls up into the parking lot we're in and he sees Norman with his stick on his shoulder. He's like, Hey, like, why do you have a lacrosse stick? And Norman's like, why do you know what a lacrosse stick is? You're in Nicaragua. He's like, Oh, I grew, I lived in Connecticut for 20 years. I went to prep school in Connecticut and I played lacrosse there, but I'm originally from Nicaragua. And I'm just like, who is this dude? And this guy is just a businessman in Nicaragua who played lacrosse in high school when he was in prep school in the, in the States during the eighties. And like, I'm like, that's exactly how I met those guys in Sweden. Right. right. You just walk, you saw someone with a stick and you walk up to them. Like that is the lacrosse community, right? You walk up to someone, you see a stick somewhere, you walk up to them and then you become friends because you have it's a lacrosse a- stick in your hand. It's like an international sign of you and I were going to be tight. Like, yeah, we don't have to speak the I same language. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Like, countless times. I was on a train from DC to New York once, and someone I was having a phone call about lacrosse the nation. This guy's like, "Oh, you play lacrosse? What's lacrosse the nation?" And then, boom! Like, friends. It, like, it's it happens amazing. everywhere, right? I think one of my, so I, I guess for me, it's like I, I vlog half my life or whatever. So when I'm not doing lacrosse specific stuff, I'm traditionally wearing like a lacrosse type t-shirt. And recently I've had people coming up and asking about the PLL because they're just seeing it everywhere. And yeah. that is probably one of my coolest things is just like, oh yeah, it's this great new league and I get to talk about it. I get to do all of the conversating that I'm sure you've done over the years and spread awareness to the game. But I mean, I guess we're not, we're not doing that right now. We're, we're quarantined. <laughs> we're stuck at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't really get to do it that way, but you can do it virtually, right? Like we're doing right now. Like literally this is, I mean, this is you, the way you and I met is essentially the way that I met those guys in Sweden. I was scrolling through my Twitter um, and you had posted a blog post or a podcast about uh coach finley and i was like oh this is interesting and i pulled it up and i listened to it and i hit you up i was like yo let's talk lacrosse this is awesome like it's virtual but it's essentially the same thing 
right? Right, 100%. And I'm so glad that you reached out because, well, one, I think I might have even said it at the end of the last ep- that episode was that I think a lot of people are um, too nervous to reach out to me because I think it's hard to, I mean, I probably wouldn't even do it if I wanted to hop on someone's podcast, but it's, it's this, these conversations that I think are the best part of my week anytime because, well, I just love talking to people and I love stories like this. And I mean, so for me, it's like, I obviously named the podcast anybody and everybody because I want truly anybody and everybody to come on this show. And I want to one, use it for growing the lacrosse community, but two, just getting to know people and growing people's stories. I mean, there's so many people out there with such cool stories. I mean, if I didn't have this conversation with you right now, I would understand that you run lacrosse the nations and this and that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't know all these amazing characteristics and different travel stories you have and stuff like that which has absolutely just fired me up but i love it so yeah if if you get anything out of this dude it's for everyone that's listening to your podcast to as soon as we can get out of here and get out of our houses go travel um go explore see the world man and if you have a lacrosse stick in your hand even better um if if you've talked to adam and scott the guys that run the give and go foundation like they'll tell you the same thing like Go travel, 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 right. travel. I want to, like, I want to do it Brent Adams style in a van. I, um, I've recently, well, now that I'm graduating college, I've been pondering this idea of moving into a van after school and, um, it, it's really starting to look like more of a possibility <laughs> with all of this thinking and time I have during quarantine because yeah, I, I, so I, I'm in Colorado it. right now and that's like a thing here. People live in their yeah. vans here. It's a yeah, thing. the Sprinter it's van. Totally thing. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, totally doable. It's minimalist. Uh, I think that it would help me do get to more lacrosse events and stuff like that. And I would have an absolute blast doing it. A I think friend that... of mine did it with his girlfriend. He's a lacrosse guy too. Um, and he was like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Just got to go everywhere we wanted. Right. And it's like, why pay for a car payment and rent when I could just pay for my house on wheels <laughs> that, exactly. uh, so that's that's the uh, question i'm pondering currently but yeah i think that this quarantine's also pushed me to like a whole new level of just how much i love traveling and getting out and so like my favorite thing from the summer and this was pretty cool was that like when i went to every pll event there was only one of them i flew to the rest i was able to drive and just explore a bit with which i i love traveling in inside the united states but i i wish that i could uh explore some places through something like lacrosse the nation so i'll definitely be hitting you up soon about yeah we run trips pretty much year round and so if you if you have the time we'll get you to panama or columbia or one of our sites i love it uh, that would be such a sick video i would have to put together i mean I would just oh a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's all I have for you. I I uh, I've loved listening to you, dude. <laughs> like your stories are phenomenal. You are great at this. If you ever consider oh, hosting you. a podcast, I will definitely listen. But uh, is there anything that. else I that you talk have? about this stuff all day long, man? Is there a yeah, oh, I'm sure you could. I mean, you have all the stories. But is there anything <laughs> else that uh? you want to plug i mean we're gonna have to do this again sometime so i don't want to get it 
get it all out there yet. Uh, no, I mean, if you guys, if your followers and listeners can follow Lacrosse Nations on Instagram and Twitter and sign up if they're, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're not under 25, but if they're under 25, um, and they want to sign up for the fundraiser, their, their dollars will be doubled. So just follow us on Lacrosse Nations on Instagram and Twitter, find us on Facebook, lacrossenations.org is our website. Um, just the more people that can follow us, the better. Totally, man. Anything to grow the game, not just in the States, but uh, abroad and really getting people introduced to this wonderful sport that has has truly changed so many lives. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Agreed. This was such a good time. I am so excited for people to get to listen to it. So take it easy. Stay safe out there in Colorado. Uh, Don't don't get into your sister's hair or whatever you guys probably did for however many years you guys have been alive (laughs) now and uh take it easy man thanks you too man have a good one just just wow guys that was such a that was such a cool show for me to do and i just got the opportunity to re-listen back on it while i was editing all this and it it was just so much fun it was so much fun to just sit back and let him take control of the conversation tell his stories give us his opinions and the work that he does and the work that lacrosse the nations is doing is truly 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 something that is so admirable so admirable so i want to double down right now actually and i want to re re what's the word that people use re say no there's a really good word and I, it's just slipping my mind right now but i want to remind people that you need to go check them out on twitter instagram and their website and do the fundraiser do the squat fundraiser do what you have to do to raise money if you're under 25 they will double it for you so That means that if you and three of your friends are able to get your squats in, raise $100, that's $600 going right there. And honestly, I can't think of a place better. They're going to use every one of those dollars for the most amazing purposes and spreading the sport that we all love to different nations and helping fund these trips that sound like a true life-changing opportunity. So, if you haven't already, go check out Lacrosse the Nations. Go check out Javier. There, everything there is just absolutely phenomenal. And I think that to put an initiative in place while we're in quarantine is such a great idea. I mean, there's so many people out there that can be affected by this crazy quarantine, especially in the lacrosse community. So when most of your money comes from the fact that people need to be playing lacrosse in the spring, it can be difficult and scary, especially in a time like this. But there's little things like this fundraiser that really keep things going. So make sure you go check that out. Beyond that, guys, guys, we're still in quarantine. We just got extended another month. Things are things are rough. And this is a big lifestyle adjustment for so many people. So I want to make sure that I re... Um, there's that word I'm looking for again, the re-state, re-re... I just want to remind everyone at the end of the day that my DMs are always open. I know that I know that this can be really tough for people. We, we have truly just been locked up in a way that we've never experienced before already for a longer period of time than we've ever experienced, and it's not going to be done anytime soon. So it's tough, and I want to just restate that i am right here i if you guys feel the need to speak out 
and get in contact with someone. Uh, I My DMs are always open. I'm here to listen, and I won't bite because I am going through the same things that you guys are going through. Like I said at the top of the episode, last week was just not possible. I had I, I won't even lie. I, I'll be totally upfront. I had no motivation to do anything. I was in business meetings all day, not feeling motivated. I was doing different podcast things, not feeling motivated, putting videos together was a struggle. And I think it was really just this first week of getting used to the new lifestyle that really took a toll on me. And now I'm back. I'm back to normal. I'm feeling great. I feel good. I'm exercising more. And I I think that I just had to get my ducks in a row for the last week. But here we are, another episode, a lot's going on. Obviously, you know, I don't get too political, but um. I genuinely believe that there are some really great resources, so make sure that you're looking in the right places for things like where you need to go if you want to get tested for coronavirus, the actual branches that are taking really huge measures to do things. Make sure that you're checking out the right stuff. Don't get your facts from, you know, maybe the president. But the thing is, if you go outside please, 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 please make sure that it's for a good purpose. You know, don't don't be getting together in groups. Don't be putting someone else at harm because, well, to be frank, I have a mother in the medical field right now, and it, it's tough. It's tough to watch her struggle with this, this uh, pandemic that's going on because she's, she's not necessarily on the front line. She's not in a hospital. But it's affecting everybody who plays a role, a major role in this in this in this world where doctors, nurses and those who work in these environments, they're not getting the resources that they deserve. The PPE is not nearly what it should be. And it really it's it's scary. So please, 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 please just stay inside, guys. I know it sucks. It's really hard. If you're going to go out, make sure that you do it by yourself or in like you and someone else, go for a walk in the woods, go for, go to the park, don't go to the park, do things that will allow you to exercise and actually get some fresh air, maybe sit outside for a little while and read a book, but, but don't get together in groups, guys, it's just not worth it, we need to try and flatten this curve, is what they're saying, and I think that we can do that by doing our part, so, although, it's kind of like voting, you know, they say, like, why does my vote matter? Because I'm just one person. But right now, one person can save save lives. And that's not an exaggeration. So that's my spiel for the day. I had an unreal time, as always, talking to you guys. I can't wait to show you guys next week's episode where we talk about Tiger King, which is, like, my new found obsession. I could watch the documentary over and over again. And, yeah, so this has been wonderful. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and as always, stay grooving.